season two of the JKR podcast powered by Black Cobra Sports. My name is Jay Shriglin and I'm the host. Let's dig into today's episode after a word from our sponsor. Today's episode sponsor is Mind Baseball, located in Dallas, Texas. Their bats are made from 100% European beech wood, which allows for more density, which then leads to more power. I mean, who doesn't want more power? We all know chicks dig the long ball. Multiple studies prove that beech outperforms maple, birch, and ash that you're probably used to swinging. Beech wood straight grains mean for less breaks, and mine baseball exceeds the MLB regulations in that category. Are you also frustrated with seeing the dried paint spots on your barrel? Mine Baseball uses a family secret technique that leaves a perfect finish every time. If you set their bat next to another brand, you will make sure that you see the difference. Lastly, they also use a built-in grip to reduce vibrations. It is the same technology that is used to reduce recoil in rifles. Make sure to check them out. Go find them on Instagram, TikTok, YouTube. Um, on Instagram, their username is at mine, M-I-N-E, baseball. Check them out, but let's dig into today's episode. And welcome back to the JKR podcast. Today we have Texas native, Texas 12 infielder and pitcher in 2025, Texas A&M commit Cooper Fulbright on the JKR podcast. Cooper, super pumped to get you on the show, man, here for this Texas 12 baseball series we're doing. Um, how are you doing today? I'm doing good. Uh, blessed to be here. Can't wait. Awesome. Awesome. All right, man. I'm, I'm excited to dig into your baseball career, but before we do that, I do have one question I'd like to start it off with everybody I get on the podcast, whether you're a player, coach, agent, whoever you happen to be, same question to start it off, and that is, for those who don't know you, how would you introduce yourself? Who exactly is Cooper Fulbright? Uh, well, I'm 16 years old. I go to Strake Jesuit uh, College Preparatory. I'm a sophomore, class of 25. Uh, I've been playing baseball my whole life. Uh, I also play football and yeah, a child of God. So okay. that's awesome. So you, you talk about Strake Jesuit. Is that how is that how I say it? Strake Jesuit. Yep. Strake okay. Jesuit. So let's dig into high school baseball there a little bit. Obviously, Texas high school baseball is up there. The top three. You know, you got California, Florida, Texas yep. when it comes to high school baseball competition. So let's dig into your freshman year a little bit. What was your freshman season like last season? So the thing with Strake is uh UIL rules prevent freshmen from being on varsity. So uh for someone to play freshman ball, I'm not saying it's bad, but I feel like I definitely got caught behind compared to some of the other kids who were able to play varsity as freshmen. But, I mean, I took every advantage of opportunities I got and kind of just made most of what happened. And that's kind of when my like my velocity went pitching-wise and kind of when my baseball started going to the next level, I feel like so. Yeah. So what were those type of rules that make you get stuck on the freshman team? So Strake is a private school. And so we, we play in 6A, 6A uh, Division One baseball. And so there's there's some rule. I'm not really uh, sure what the rule exactly is, but it, it prevents freshmen from being on varsity in any, in any sport just due to the, I guess, safety reason or something like something along those lines. I don't know. Yeah. But. 
so heading into this season, obviously not a freshman anymore, you're a sophomore. Mm -hmm. What is the outlook on this upcoming season there at Strake Jesuit? Kind of maybe on your mind, what where is like are you gonna be playing all the time as a sophomore? What does that kind of look like through your eyes? And what's the you know, maybe some of the goals heading into the 2023 season? Well, the goals is obviously I want to play this year. Um, you know, Strakes has always has been a pretty, pretty successful uh, school the last couple three years. So I mean it's it's a really good program as far as high school goes. Um I'm obviously trying. I'm working hard every day at practice, hopefully to get a starting spot. But, it, you know, if not, I'm going to be back there to back up my teammates, you know, doing the best I can as, as a teammate. So. so last year, obviously, you didn't get that opportunity to, you know, play up at that varsity level and kind of see what that Texas competition level was like. <laughs> but what are you kind of expecting? Maybe who are some of those guys in your conference that you're playing or guys in your area who are also, you know, other Power 5 commits like uh, like yourself? Um, mm -hmm. What does that competition level look like and what are you kind of expecting when it comes to the teams that you're going to be facing this spring? I'm actually really excited to face some of these Division uh, Division One guys, Power 5 guys, uh, only because – I mean, I play in the summer. I play against Division One guys all the time, and you know they're really, really good. But now I want to like go against older kids. Like I'm never like future draft prospects. I feel like that's really cool, especially someone like a sophomore. Uh, and you know, strikes in a tough district. I mean, we have Pearland, who's number one in the state, who's coming preseason polls number one in the state. And uh, I've been playing with a kid on that team who's also a sophomore ever since I was a little kid, Nico Partita. Um, so he's definitely going to be someone who we got to watch out for, for sure, on the mound and and with stick. So yeah. So last season, were there a couple, you know, upperclassmen guys who maybe committed somewhere on your team who maybe took you underneath their wing? Or what did that look like when it came to, you know, maybe learning the ropes of high school baseball, even though you were on the freshman team? Were there practices where, you know, some of the junior seniors were, you know, taking you along being like, all right, well, Cooper's got some potential, you know, let's kind of mm -hmm. take him, show him the reins a little bit. What did that look like? So – the thing was with the freshmen is we practiced in the morning, so there wasn't really too much uh, intervening with the older kids. But definitely uh, once I started getting into this process with the recruiting and stuff like that, there's two kids who are at who are actually freshmen at Rice right now, Trey Duffield and Garrett Stratton, who I feel like took me under their wing a little bit and kind of just helped me out and kind of, you know, just took me under their wing, so – yeah, definitely. So I know in Texas high school baseball, I know I had I'm talking to, you know, all the different players I've talked to from Texas, like the Texas high schools have some sort of rule where like there's a class period dedicated for training. Is that the same for a private school like Strake or and how does that look like with you being on that freshman team as a freshman last year? Did you still have that same type of schedule or what is like so like what are the rules and regulations to that? So, no. So Strake does not we do not have a uh, like a designated class. Like I, I know a lot of kids from other public schools who have like that designated baseball class period throughout the day. But at Strake, since we're a Catholic school, we have a class called theology instead that replaces that. So we have that. And um, freshman year, we we did P.E. I mean, that was it. There's no baseball involved. But, no, we don't really have a we don't have a baseball class other than after school, which yeah. is practice. So being so being a private school, are you guys? Does your spring schedule um just consist of nothing but private schools, or are you guys playing public schools as well? No, we're in six A. So yeah, we, we play against all the public school teams. I mean, we'll, we'll, uh, when we make it to state, you know, we'll be going against these these you know power powerhouse public schools. So I mean. Yeah. So for a Texas high school baseball fan, let's say, you know, they're going out to watch Drake Jesuit play this spring, you know, besides mm -hmm. yourself being a Texas A&M Texas commit, um, who are some other guys on this year's team that maybe, you know, just a baseball fan in general would like to go watch? Who are some of those other guys, you know, just to be on the lookout for heading into this, this spring of 2023? Uh, definitely. We have another pitcher who's in our class. Yeah, I think he did a podcast a couple of days ago. Ryan Bevington. He's a TCU guy. Yeah. So he's 
He's really good. Um, we got third baseman Colin Sloan, who's going to Yale. Uh, he's he's good. I like him. Uh, shortstop Clay, uh, and he's good. I mean, second baseman Vernon Clay, he's good. And Vernon is kind of taking me under his wing too. I like him. He's he's really a lot of positive feedback from him when you you know mess up or something like that. Yeah. So let's dig a little bit into the Texas 12. Obviously, like you said, a couple of days ago, I interviewed Ryan Bevington. I believe mm-hmm. your guys' episodes are going to release on back-to-back days. Still not 100% yeah. sure on that schedule, what that looks like. Uh, but let's just dig into the Texas 12 where you guys also play together. So take us through, you know, how you got connected with the Texas 12 and maybe just how your travel baseball career has been so far. So the coach for 12, Coach Greg Bennett, um, I've always played against him since I was younger. Uh, my dad used to coach me when I was younger, you know, how kind of how everybody starts out. And so I've always played against him. And, if he, and he's always kind of like said, like, oh, come play for me, come play for me. And I was like, uh, so I, I was like, not really, not right now. Like, I don't really feel like try, driving all the way out to Katy for like an hour and a half to practice every day, especially since I'm only like 10. So I, I programmed with Marucci for a couple of years. And after kind of after that, I was like, I was like, you know, I'm gonna go ahead and give 12 a try. So I gave 12 a try once my once I started, you know, getting better. And definitely seeing some improvements in baseball. And I went to 12, made the top team, and then, I don't know, made summer happen. Yeah. So you're looking at the Texas 12 organization, you know, how it's ran, your experience there these past couple of seasons playing for them. How would you compare the Texas 12, just the entire organization in general, what you've seen, compare that to Marucci, um, that travel organization you played for for a couple of years when you were younger? So when I played with Marucci, we didn't, we weren't necessarily part of, like, the the organization like at their headquarters kind of thing. We were, we were like our own team, kind of like the kids in our neighborhood. So I never really got to experience the, uh, the actual Marucci coming out of like their headquarters. So I couldn't really speak on how the, how their summer league team is or whatever, but while I was with Marucci, it was good, but 12, definitely. I, I like the tournaments that we play in. Yeah, for sure. So you, talk, so you talk about coach Bennett, how you've played up against him in his, your entire life. Take mm-hmm. us through what that relationship is, is like with coach Bennett, you know, maybe how, um, you guys, that relationship got started, maybe your first interaction with him and how that's evolved here these past couple of seasons, actually getting to play underneath him as your head coach. Well, I mean, you know, like I said, like he's, him and my dad are pretty good friends. So, I mean, it's, it's been kind of like that. And then, you know, it's kind of like a couple, like when we were younger, it used to be like trash. We would trash talk a little bit. You used to talk about my hair all the time and how it was too long. And so like, we've kind of built a connection like that. And then I was decided, you know, I was like, you know what, I'm gonna come play for you coach. And he was like, I love it. He goes, he's always seen me as an athlete. And I, you know, I've a lot of respect for him for what he's done for me. Yeah. So obviously you still have two more seasons of travel baseball, but let's take it back to the past. If you're looking back into your travel baseball career so far, what are a couple of those memories that just come up to mind? You know, whether that's, you know, messing around with some of your teammates somewhere at a tournament, you know, maybe doing something really cool on the field. When you're thinking of travel baseball, what are some of those memories that just come to mind when you're thinking about uh, travel ball? Definitely those late night uh, restaurant runs whenever you're someone with your friends. Those are always the best. Make some good memories there. But actually playing baseball, I definitely have to say Cooperstown when I was 12 U. That's definitely something I remember. Um, let's see. And going to uh, USA Baseball and carry that was that was special for me only because that's where I kind of got a lot of my attention. So it's definitely a memorable place for me. Mm-hmm. So take us through that USA Baseball experience a little bit. Maybe what that day-to-day was like. Maybe how you got invited, how you got connected with those guys. Take us through that experience. So USA, I, I wasn't on the USA team. It was like it was the USA like classic or whatever, something like that, where like they invited a bunch of like summer league teams out there and we uh you know, we were fight uh, we were competing out there but I mean going out there going to get like that's probably the best tournament we've played this year going against the best teams in the country uh, a lot a lot a lot of good d1 guys out there so it was good just to match against those guys one hitting 
Um, you know, that's tough going against uh, upper 80s, low 90s guys. Uh, so, I mean, it was fun, though, for sure. So do you remember the first time you you faced a 90-mile-an-hour pitcher? Uh, yeah. So I actually wasn't in a game. I was doing – I was doing like a uh, – I don't know, like a – I was doing live, like live ABs or whatever. And I was like, you know, this is probably going to be fa- – this is going to be fast. But I wasn't expecting it to get up on me like that. And uh, so then, you know, I, I did fine. Like I held my own to it. But, uh, you know, that's just, that's just – um that's just live ABs. But then the second time I faced 90s was against Connor Griffin. And I mean, that kid does smoke. So, I mean, that was, that was tough. Sure. I'm sure. Um, So yeah. like I said, you have, you have two more summer seasons left before, I mean, travel baseball does come to an end, but just looking forward to these next two seasons, what are you looking forward to most, you know, playing underneath coach Bennett, playing with your buddy, Ryan Bevington on the Texas 12, a lot of those other guys on the 2025 12 team, just what are you looking forward to most here these next two seasons? I uh, continue to build a relationship with my friends, uh, you know, competing against, against the best, you know, kind of better myself. Uh, I got friends from out of state. And so that's just a good thing to kind of meet up with them and play baseball and kind of just do what we all love. You know, it's just, it's pretty cool. I think. Yeah. So you talk about relationships there. So what are your relationships with the Texas 12 coaching staff beyond coach Bennett? I know we talked about coach Bennett there for a second, but what are your relationships beyond him on that coaching staff? And then some of the relationships you have with your Texas 12 teammates as well. So I just, trans- I, I, I've only been playing for 12 for a year, so I don't know many coaches, but the coaches that I have talked to coach Vinny, he was the pitching coach. Uh, he, he helped me like like helped me a lot this summer with uh pitching and stuff like that uh and then coach Knox too I'm uh, starting to get to know him a little better um so I mean he's I'm I'm looking forward to building those relationships this back this next couple of years so yeah so besides coach Bennett's son which I believe it's it's Matt that's on your guys's team right or is it the, is it uh his other son who coach Bennett's son yeah Cade Cade okay because I knew he had Cade, one yeah. son named Matt one son named Cade I wasn't sure which one was which. Mm-hmm. Um, so besides Cade, besides you, and besides, you know, Ryan Bevington, um, who are some of those other guys on the 2025 Texas 12 team to be on the lookout for this upcoming summer? Um, just who are some of those guys you're playing with on that day, uh, game-to-game basis? Uh, for sure, my friend Carter Guillory from uh, Louisiana. He's definitely he's definitely good. My friend Gage Boyd, um, those are definitely – and Mason Murphy, those are those are some three kids that you like, a lot of people got to look out for. Those kids are – kids are dudes. Um mm-hmm. Also, I know it's kind of biased, but you also want to look at Jack Paris and Blaine Boyd, who are also going to A&M in the 25 class. So yeah. definitely um, got to so, shout out those guys. Of, of course. So, you know, being around so many Power 5 commits on your 2025 Texas 12 team, you know, you mentioned Jack Paris, a couple of other guys going to Texas A&M, TCU, and I'm sure there's a couple other guys going to Power 5 schools as well. But with you being around so many of those, uh, so many of those players of your caliber, how are you competing against them? How are you maybe picking the brains and kind of seeing how they go about their business in the game of baseball? How do you how do you interact with those guys? So we all got our own like little routine, you know. Like we always we always we always go out there try to do our best. But you no, know, we ever whenever we don't, you know, it's good to get some feedback from other people, you know, because like they know what they're talking about too. Because we're also Power Five Division One guys, so it's not just like. Oh, they're just telling you, you know, just because, like, just to tell you, like, they actually know what they're talking about. Because, one, they've been there and they work hard to get there where they're at. So they obviously know something about baseball. And I think it's just it, – I'm grateful for the opportunity to be surrounded by those kind of guys just so I can get that kind of feedback. And, one, we better each, each ourselves and, and everyone around us. So it's good. Okay. All right. So let's dig into the recruiting process there a little bit. Um, so just take us through that recruiting process, you know, how it got started, maybe when you started getting noticed by some division one teams, just how did that whole recruiting process shake out? 
so coming up to the summer, um, I had nothing. I, I was, I wasn't, I wasn't a very good, uh, very like big, big on velo or whatever coming into like freshman season. I was maybe sitting low eighties and stuff like that, you know, just, just trying to compete and just do the best I can. And then, uh, I just, for some reason I slowly started gaining velo, like slowly, like game by game, like first it was like 83 out hit, then I hit 85 and 87 and then, and then 89 and then 90 and stuff like that. So it, it jumped, like I hit all those numbers in my freshman year. So I, I didn't really have, the exposure because I mean no colleges are looking at freshmen like freshman kids playing freshman ball without going to summer so kind of going to the beginning of the summer uh rice rice baseball had a like a little pitching analysis thing then I was like you know what like I feel like my numbers are good enough to where I can get recruited so I was like you know what so I, I went ahead and went there and I bumped a couple 90s there and I showed off my off speed and stuff like that and that's when they uh that's when I got my first offer they offered me that then and there so it was very very blessed for that experience. And then, you know, just throughout the summer and then going to USA and stuff like that, that's where I picked up all my other offers and stuff like that. Yeah. So, so you talk good. about how, you know, a lot of power five programs, you know, aren't going to freshman high school baseball games mm-hmm. and recruiting that way. Do you think that certain regulation or that certain rule that it makes freshmen play on the freshman team, do you think that kind of put you at a disadvantage when it came to the recruiting process or did you kind of overlook that and kind of just focus on, you know, going to that rice camp, playing travel baseball with the 12, what was your kind of mindset on that? so I, I didn't really think much of it being on freshman I was like you know like this is just an opportunity to bang out reps you know get a lot get a lot of reps going from shortstop from uh, just hitting wise and stuff like that so I didn't really think much of it other than just like you know just getting more reps so yeah I didn't really think too much of being on freshman okay so you go to that rice camp you get that offer kind of what what happens from there you know you're going to the team US, you're going to the USA um event you're going playing for the Texas 12 throughout the summer um where are some of those other teams that are reaching out um and then kind of take, take us through the rest of that to where you ended up committing to Texas A&M so it started at West Palm uh after I got my rice from all, uh, off from rice uh we went to West Palm Florida for a tournament and I pitched I pitched really really good there um against a really good team with a lot of uh, D1 guys power five so uh, once I did that, I kind of got teams like uh, Arkansas, A&M, and Tennessee kind of looking at me, you know, showing interest, but none of them are actually offering. And, uh, you know, we kind of went out to uh, Cary, North Carolina, for these USA games, and um, I pitched another really, really good game there. And that's when I, A&M offered me, Tennessee offered me, Arkansas offered me, and, you know, it was it was good. So, yeah. So you're talking to, I mean, you're a 14, 15 year old kid talking to, you know, Tennessee, Arkansas, A&M, Rice, all these big time collegiate baseball programs that are consistently going to the College World Series. I mean, what's going through your mind? Obviously, you're still three, four years away from college. I mean, yes. you're talking to all these, you know, big time power five baseball team uh, co- uh, college coaches. Take us through what's going through your mind and maybe what those initial conversations were like with those coaches. I was nervous. I've never talked to a college coach like on the phone or whatever when I was talking to him. So I didn't really know what to do. So I was asking my friend Ryan, who actually committed his freshman year. So he knew all about it. Uh, so I kind of like, you know, I asked him like, like, what do I say? Like, what do I need? And stuff like that. And he kind of helped me now. Now I'm, I'm pretty good at it, but um, it's just, I'm thankful for him telling me what to do and stuff like that. But uh, talking to those coaches, it, it's just like, I don't know. It, it, it's amazing, honestly, because like you would never think that you would ever be in this position. And I never thought I'd ever be in this position, especially this early. So, I mean, it was just it was eye opening, to say mm-hmm. the least. So when you were going through that process and you're talking to, you know, all these different schools from across the country, majority of those being in the SEC, um, what, like, what were you looking for? I mean, what were we looking for in terms of, you know, the campus, the uh, the co- coaching staff, 
just the university in general, what were some of those key things that you were looking at when you were kind of deciding between which school you wanted to go to? Uh, I definitely wanted a school where I could have really good close connections with my coaches. I feel like that's important. I feel like I wanted to be a part of a team. I felt like a family. I didn't want to just play. I, didn't, I wanted to play baseball, but I wanted to be part of a family and something that I feel like that would help me dra dramatically outside of college. Like, let's just say like I get hurt or something like that. But I, if I go to that school, uh, I need to be able to live, you know? So I feel like I, these schools that I'm talking to, I got to pick the best ones that I feel like is going to most benefit me and my family. Mm -hmm. So what was it overall that, you know, stood out? What made you choose Texas A&M over, you know, the Tennessee, Arkansas, Rice, all the diff different other schools that were interested? What was it that just stood out and kind of, you know, put Texas A&M over that top? So my dad actually pitched at Texas A&M. And so I've been surrounded by Texas A&M baseball probably literally my whole entire life. So being around then, I was kind of like, well, I always want to play baseball at Texas A&M. So, I mean, also it's in College Station. That's like an hour and a half away from me. Um, and I, I, I just – I feel like it's really important for my family to come see my games. And so they're like – for these other schools, like, like we're going to try to come out as many games as possible, but it's just going to be tough. So I feel like that's very important for me, for my family, to just stay, stay close connection with them. And just – and I feel like my dad really, really wanted to come see – send me play, especially where he, he graduated from. So I feel like that was special. Yeah. So when you were going through that process and you actually did choose Texas A&M, you're like, all right, Texas A&M is the right choice. That's where I'm going to play college baseball. Were there a couple schools that potentially finished a close second or a close third uh, when it came to that, that whole decision-making process? Or was Texas A&M, you know, with you having that family tradition there, having your dad pitch there and being so close to home, did you kind of just know already that Texas A&M was going to be the place you wanted to go? So I kind of knew all along that, like, once I got a and I was like, all right, this is definitely going to be school. But then I, then, I, then I went to take a – I went to go do a camp over at Tennessee and Tennessee is nice. Like I, I love the, I lo honestly, I really love the coaches over there. So, I mean, I, I was, I was pretty close to pulling the trigger actually on the spot on Tennessee as well. So, I, but my dad was like, you got to hold off. Like we, we got to, we actually think, we gotta think about this. You can't just go just cause you saw the campus once. So you, you got to really got to think about this. So definitely I would say Tennessee was definitely a close second for me. Okay. So with Tennessee, you know, you being so close to pulling that trigger on Tennessee, when yeah. was that Texas A&M, it kind of finally, finally hit your mind. You're like, all right, I'm committing to Texas A&M. I'm going to text the coaching staff today or whatever that, however that played out. When was it that that kind of hit you? And do you kind of remember that day that that happened? Oh, I definitely remember that day. So it, I didn't, I didn't uh, commit through like a, like a foot call or anything like that. So I went to a camp at A&M and uh, just being around like the coaches and stuff like that, kind of walking in and them all knowing who I am. And stuff like that, I feel like that was really special. And I was like, these guys like really, really want me here. And so I was like, you know what? I was talking to my dad after the camp or whatever. And I was like, I think this this has always been the place, but I think I want to make it like the place, you know? So I was, he, was, he was like, you know, do what you want. Like he goes, I'm going to be happy no matter what you do. So I kind of walked up to Coach Losh and I was like, yo, Coach, I think I'm, I think I'm ready to be an Aggie the rest of my life. So it was, it was a pretty amazing experience. So I definitely remember that. Yeah. So you talk about how, you know, you're big on family. You want your family to, you know, be at College Station watching you play, you know, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, going to all those weekend games, you know, potentially traveling. You guys are on the road as well. You talk about how all the Texas A&M coaching staff knew who you were and you kind of just felt like a family already within that um, organization. What is your relationship like with the A&M coaching staff? And then, like, how has that evolved, you know, now that you've been committed here for a little bit? So with my dad playing at A&M, uh, they kind of they kind of know who he is and stuff like that. My dad knows like a lot of the alumni and a lot of the old coaches and stuff like that. So they know who I am. Uh, they know they know a lot about my football. I mean, they just know a lot of stuff about me that I feel like it's just it just closes that bond kind of. And, you know, that they're they're generally really, really good guys to talk to. I feel like I can hold a conversation with them for a long time and not like not not awkward at all. So I feel like it's 
that's really important to have, especially if you be around there for a long time. Mm-hmm. You also talk, talking about relationships. You also brought up, you know, Jack Paris plays with you on the Texas mm-hmm. 12. You also mentioned somebody else. I couldn't remember his name. Uh, Blaine Bullard. Yeah. What was it? Blaine Bullard. Blaine Bullard. Okay. So with you having relationships already with those guys and then other relationships you could, could potentially have being an in-state guy going to A&M, what type of advantage does that put you at, you know, when you finally do get to the A&M campus, when it comes to, you know, already being kind of um, comfortable with those guys, you know, already maybe competing with them already. Uh, just what are some of those relationships you have with those guys? And then beyond that guys who maybe aren't playing with Texas 12 who are committed to Texas A&M as well. So I'm definitely, definitely going to have a good chemistry with those guys, those guys that I play with 12 for, so I feel like that's that's not gonna be a problem. Don't going right into A&M, but playing with them. Um, but I think what's gonna be most beneficial for us is definitely Texas baseball. Texas baseball is on a different level of good, and so I feel like like once we get into A&M, like we're we're gonna be we're gonna be not not obviously college is way different, but I feel like we're gonna have a little bit more advantage than the other than the other states and some of the other kids that are going to to A&M. So I feel like that will definitely will definitely be more prepared if that makes sense mm-hmm. so with your buddy ryan bevington you play with him on the texas 12 you play with him in high school are you looking forward to that first collegiate matchup here in three or four years when you know he's on the mound there at tcu you're in the batter's box there for a&m yeah. you looking forward to that first ab oh yeah i'm looking forward to that that'll, that'll be fun that'll definitely be that'll definitely one of the memory books uh you know i'm really close with his family so that's definitely going to be memorable for both of our families so i'm definitely looking forward to that mm-hmm. have you faced him before maybe in live ab's uh i have it was it was one day it was like a it was a freshman thing we kind of took live ab's you know actually no i i did face ryan before before that um i was on marucci and he was on 12 and this is like the last game i played with marucci before i went over to 12 and he actually walked me twice okay so i mean i mean he's got good stuff but i mean you know i was fouling him off you know doing the best i could you know trying to shoot in the gap hard but you know he just Walk me twice. So. Yeah. so that next day, B, you're facing Ryan. What's your approach going to that at bat? Um, he, I don't think he could find his his off speed that game, and so I think I, I mean, and he, he was throwing. I mean, we were like 13, I think, and he was throwing like 81 and stuff like that. So I mean, that that's like gas for 13. So you know, I'm I'm just sitting in the back of the box and like you know, I'm just gonna sit fastball. Like there's no, there's nothing else I'm waiting on, and you know, he's he's been trying to blow by the fastball by kids all, all game. Like that's, that's what you can do when you throw that hard at that age. So I was like, you know, I'm just going to be sitting on this kid's fastball. And he just, like I said, he was trying to throw as hard as he can and he, he threw gas, but he couldn't, <laughs> yeah. couldn't get me. Uh, yeah. So you also said you're a football player. So I take it you're a two sport athlete, right? Do you play basketball at all? I don't play basketball. No. Okay. So being a two sport athlete there in Texas, take us through what high school football like is in Texas. Cause me being an Indiana guy, I always yeah. hear you know, Texas high school football. Absolutely amazing. You know, they have these million, million dollar mm-hmm. stadiums, yeah. potentially got guys from all over across the state going all these power five different football programs. What is Texas high school football like through your eyes? You know, actually experiencing that in person. It's tough. So I started my sophomore year as a receiver. So, I mean, that was obviously, that was very cool. Like I didn't, I got, you know, I kind of just played football just just to stay athletic, and you know, I was just it was fun to play with all my friends and stuff like that. But when I got moved, when I got was on varsity, they're like, "Are oh, you going to go ahead and start the season?" And I was like, "I was like, all right, let's do it." So I didn't really know what to expect going in there, but I, I held my own this year. I definitely did. Uh, I caught like four or five touchdowns this year for over like four hundred yards. So I mean, it it was it was definitely a I'd say a decent sophomore year. But I mean, I'm definitely going to be looking forward to next year, uh, junior season. 
Mm -hmm. So being a sophomore, kind of being thrown in there to, I mean, to that, like the Texas high school football competition, what were some of those things that just kind of hit you that you're like, oh shoot, like I'm playing Texas high school football right now. I'm a 15, 16 year old kid, sophomore playing up guys who are, you know, 17, 18 years old heading to college next year. What were some of those things maybe just in game or just in practice that kind of hit you like, man, like, shoot. I mean, that, that was kind of a hit right there. Well, I obviously play with the freshman rule. I played freshman football my uh, my freshman year, and I was uh, I was dominating that. Like I'd score like four touchdowns a game, and I'd be putting kids on their butt like easily. Like those kids weren't competition that much. And so then I got moved up, and I'm trying to do this to these kids, and they're 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 like laying me out, and it, it hurt. I'm not gonna lie. Like when you got like five star safeties from Shadow Creek coming to hit you uh, on a slant route or a post route, and you just get decked off your feet. I mean, just a different kind of like pain and you're you just don't know where you're at sometimes and you got to kind of like refocus so I mean that definitely hit me different this year I'm sure so being a two-sport athlete do you think that kind of gives you an advantage in certain ways when it comes to you know maybe the athleticism you have or whatever when it comes to be actually being on the baseball field um I I don't know if it gives me more of an advantage but I feel like um I definitely it gives me it gives me a better worth ethic if that makes sense like in football like yeah you, you gotta you could be really really quick and stuff like that you gotta like you'd be thinking like on like on the spot and stuff like that. And so I feel like that the only I feel like it helps me in baseball because like if you're like feeling the ground ball and you got a lot of things going on, like helps you make the right decision just off just based based on quick reaction stuff like that. So I feel like that that's football benefit benefits me from that. Yeah. So when it comes to, you know, to stop being a two sport athlete, you know, you're gonna be a two sport athlete here these next two seasons there in high school. But when it comes time for you to solely focus on baseball, how do you see your game just developing more or just evolving quicker? How do you see that, you know, uh, playing out when it comes time to just solely focus on baseball? Definitely gonna have more time to focus on baseball. I mean, football, like you're definitely busy. Like we have like two hour practices every day. So, I mean, that's, I mean, that's tough. So, I mean, it, and then, but like, I always get my baseball stuff in after school, but I'm always tired and stuff like that. So I feel like I don't get as many reps as I can. And so I feel like once I start focusing on, on baseball, it's just going to be, it's going to be straight then, like, say, working on baseball, I feel like more, I have more energy to do what I love and stuff like that. So I definitely feel like just the, like the time is definitely going to open up more. And so. Mm-hmm. So transition a little bit to, you know, you're actually on the field play. So I know mm-hmm. on perfect game, I was doing a little bit of research. You're listed as an infielder, outfielder. Mm-hmm and a pitcher when it does yeah. come time to move to that next level I and mean, whether that's you know varsity high school baseball or you know actually when you're going to AM, what is the plan there where do you kind of see yourself sticking out are you planning on being a two-way potentially just an out a position player hitter what is that kind of plan in your mind right now well obviously i'm going to try to two-way there but everyone knows that that doesn't it's it's hard to do so i mean i i think i think i've gotten better over the years at hitting and fielding but i definitely see myself definitely being a pitcher towards college and so on. So I, I'm definitely, but I mean, we'll see. I mean, I'm going to keep working hard at both and trying to give me the opportunity to do both, but you know, I'm just going to just bless what a and does with me. So. Okay. So with you being a pitcher, let's dig into your arm care routine a little bit. So yeah. first off in the off season, then we'll dig into actually in season, how you take care of your arm, but for the off season, take us through maybe what that deload is, what that ramp up is. Obviously mm-hmm. with football season, it's going to be a lot different than what it is when I talk to most yeah. pitchers. So take us through, you know, how you kind of take care of that arm, maybe how you shut it down, deload, and then, you know, probably right around right now when you're starting to ramp back up for that spring season. So uh, I did my last event for baseball in August, beginning of August. And so after that, I shut down baseball completely for until end of October. So, I, I mean, or end of football season at least. So I didn't, I didn't throw until then. Like I just gave my arm a break. Uh, and I feel like that's really important is to give your arm rest. A lot of people are trying to, ramp up and you know try to throw as hard as they can but I feel like rest is very important and that's what helped me gain a lot of velos just rest and stuff like that 
then I, you know, I just started, I got a long routine before I throw. So I make sure I, I get through my routine and if my arm doesn't feel good, then I, then I shut it down too. I don't, I don't, I don't like having injuries. I don't like feeling arm pain, pain in my arm. So I do my long routine and then I kind of slowly work up to like for the first couple of weeks, 90 feet, just trying to feel, trying to hit, hit him in the chest, get hit my guy in the chest every single time. So just so I can perfect spots and stuff like that. And then I start ramping it up to, you know, football fields and once I get to the football field that's just that's when I love letting it loose and stuff like that but sure so at this point you know mid-January where are you at right now in that ramp up process and then here for these next few weeks I mean I know Texas high school baseball what you guys start like what mid-February I believe talking mm -hmm. about yeah people before so where are you at right now in that ramp up process and what do these next you know four or five weeks look like before that first high school game so right now uh, I threw my first bullpen actually at A&M the other day uh, so I mean I mean I was going 100%, I mean, not 100%, but like 90, 95%. So, I mean, it, in percentage-wise, I mean, I'm up there. Like, I'm, I'm ready to get the season started. But, you know, I'm just, I'm going to stay. Um, you know, st I'm not going to overdo anything right now. I'm just going to, you know, kind of go with my pitching coach is saying at strike right now, kind of keep my arm healthy for them, especially with playing in, in, in the field and pitching too. So, you got to keep that healthy. Mm -hmm. So when it comes to actually in season, when you know you're playing high school baseball, um, you know what you only have one season to kind of look at that from there. But you know what does it look like when it's, you're playing high school baseball in the spring, and then in the summer when you're going to tournament to tournament, what does that arm care look like, or just what does that routine look like when it comes to you know you're on the mound for one game, do you wait you know four or five days before that? What does that look like in between starts? Um, so I usually just try to do a, a toss. Like I, I try to toss every day. You know, after I pitch, I would do a, like a light toss, maybe up to like thirty feet. Just, just so I can see how my arm feels, kind of get the blood flowing again. And then, like, the next day I'll make sure I do long toss. I feel like long toss is very important for my arm, and I de it's definitely helped me throughout being able to go longer and endurance-wise. And so other other than that, like, I, I don't really do anything special besides my arm, my arm routine, like, you know, like this, the basic bands and some ba bands, arm circles, you know, some plyos. But other than that, like, I don't do anything really, like, over the top. Okay. So when you're actually on that mound, let's dig into your pitching repertoire a little bit. So what are those different pitches that you're throwing and how you develop those pitches over time? Uh, so I, I throw a, uh, I throw a fat four seam, I throw a two seam, I throw a curveball, a slider, and a changeup. So um, starting off young, like I've always, started, I, I always started with the changeup because my dad didn't feel, my dad felt like if I, I can't throw a curveball when I was younger, because it's going to mess up my arm. And so I've always, I've always been able to throw a changeup pretty well, just, just because I've always, I've been throwing it for years and stuff like that. And my curveball is definitely my best pitch. Uh, I mean, I just everyone said that they've never seen anything like it before. I like to think that it's just it's just something in my in my arsenal. You know, it's just not really. I don't I don't want to think too much of it because if I if I think too much of it, then I'll try to do too much and then I'll hang it and then that's when balls get put over the fence and you know that's just when it hurts hurts your team. So I don't I don't really try to overdo anything. Yeah, obviously you don't want balls going over the fence when you're on the mound. Yeah. But um, so you know, when was it that obviously I, I mean, I've heard it all before when coaches like, all right, I want you to throw a fastball, throw throw a changeup, you know, when you're young, mm -hmm. and then we'll develop, you know, that curveball yeah. slider, just the off speed stuff, you know, when it comes to later in your career. So mm -hmm. when did you start developing that curveball? And then for you, like, how did you go about developing that? How did you kind of decide why you're throwing a curveball compared to you know a slider or a what the different splitter, all these different types of mm -hmm. other off speed pitches? Uh, how did you develop that curveball, and when did you kind of you know put that into your pitching repertoire? I uh, I don't really know. I feel like the curveball, my uh, curveball, like I get like my, my dad taught me, and I just always I've always liked it more than a slider. And I don't really throw a slider. I throw more of a cutter. Like I throw it in like like low mid eighties and stuff like that, and it'll move, but it won't move as much as a slider. But I definitely feel like my curveball has more movement, and I feel like I enjoy throwing it more, especially because it's a really it's a it's a hard big bender twelve to six. So I love seeing it just like 
dive down right into the, the catchers or like low batter's box kind of thing. So I don't yeah. know. I just kind of just been a fan of it more than my than my cutter. Yeah. And then are you pretty set with the pitching repertoire you have right now? Or do you kind of see somewhere in the near future of you potentially adding, you know, another pitch to that pitching repertoire? I mean, I, I can definitely see myself adding another pitch, but right now I feel like I, I'm doing pretty successful with the five pitches I got going right now, especially throwing that two seam like up and in, like in on in on batters, you know, breaking bats and stuff like that. So I feel like I can I can throw another one, but I feel like I'm I'd be set right now with my pitching pitches right now. All right, so digging into the hitting side of things there for a little bit. So we we talked about pitching. Let's move into hitting. Um, so when you're, let's say you know you're in the batter's box, kind of take us through you know what's going through your mind, maybe what your approach is. What is your mindset, you know, when you're up there in the batter's box? So as a as a kid, I've always had a problem struggling with, with my load. Like I'm I'm never I was never on time. I'd always t- miss time stuff. And so this past year, I've kind of just taken my my like stride out in general. So I, I widen out a lot. And I kind of just I kind of just load back, and then I feel like I can catch up to like faster pitches and stuff like that. And I just, especially with off speed and stuff like that, I feel like I, I'm I'm not, I'm never I'm never like exactly like fooled or like looking looking bad, I guess, because I'm always in that stable position. And as far as like what I'm thinking about when I go up to bat, like I don't think anything. Like I feel like it, I, like I I try to think like oh let's go up the middle with this, but then like if I did that, like I was always late on stuff like that and I was popping up the first base. And so I was like, you know, like, I'm just not going to think I'm just going to do me kind of just, you know, I'll think about like what, what pitch I think he's struggling with and what pitches he's not going to throw, what pitches he will throw. Rather than that, I don't, I don't really like to think much. I feel like you just, I just overcompensate on stuff. So. Mm-hmm. So are you a big two strike approach guy or for the most part, do you kind of keep it that same way throughout that at bat, no matter what the count is? No, I love jumping off first pitch fastball. That's definitely my f- favorite pitch to hit. Uh, you know, um, especially with being like a, like a, a guy towards the beginning of the order in my high school league and kind of like in the middle order for summer, like you're not going to get much off speed. You're not going to get much off speed there. And they're always going to want to attack you with the fastball first. And so I always love to jump on that. Cause I mean, I'd much rather hit a fastball than hit an off speed, but I mean, I'm always like, in my, in my two strike, I, like, I don't, I don't, I don't load back anything like that. I stay in that stable position. I throw my hands at everything. Yeah. So I feel like that's definitely helped me a lot with my approaches. So if you could dig through the mechanics of your swing a little bit, I know you said when you're a two-strike approach, you kind of keep everything back, keep it in the mm-hmm. same spot. But if yeah. you could dig through the mechanics, you know, from that load to that follow-through, what do those mechanics look like and how have you developed those mechanics over time? Uh, I've always had a problem with dropping my hands when I was younger. And I've always trying to like – like when I was younger, it, it, it worked because I would just hit the ball up and it would be a home run. So, I mean, it. but now when you're playing on like 315 fields, 330 fields and stuff like that, like – like you pop up like that, and it should be popped to the outfielder. So you def- I definitely like worked on like getting my hands inside and trying to like get get through the ball rather than like dropping my hands down and then going up. So I definitely feel like I've I've been done better. And I trying to I try, now I'm really working on trying to get backspin on balls and like shoot them back up the middle or opposite field or just whenever when I'm in the cages. Yeah. So let's say you're a scout watching your game. Let's go mm-hmm. ahead. Let's when you're on the mound, you're in the field playing whatever position that happens to be. Yeah. Um, and then you're actually in the batter's box interacting with some of your teammates. What would be that personal scouting report that if you were a scout watching your game, what would you write up on yourself? Uh, that I'm a good base runner. I think I'm a really good base runner. I just, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't double guess myself whenever I see a ball that I think is going to flare, flare down. Like I go, like I don't stop. And I, I usually end up making the right decision. Very rarely have I ever made the wrong decision, but I always find a way to get back. So I feel like I'm definitely aggress- aggressively smart on the basis. Cause I'm not, I'm not the fastest guy. I run like a, like a six, like a six, eight, 60, six, seven, 60. So I'm not overly fast, but I, I definitely like, I got first, like I'm on first base and there's a, there's a ball hitting the gap. 
uh, like I'm, I'm easily scoring. Like there's, there's not a doubt in my mind that I'm not, I'm not scoring. So. Yeah. So within, within, you know, these next two or three years before you head to the A&M campus, what are a couple of those maybe two or three things that you're wanting to develop most in your game before you head to the A&M campus and head to that next level? Uh, I definitely feel like I need to gain more weight. Uh, I've been, I've been, I've been trying real hard this last couple of years. And so that's definitely what I'm in. I need to keep working on, keep building up. Uh, uh, let's see. What else do I need to work on? Uh, just maintaining my pitches sometimes whenever I'm, when I'm pitching sometimes my fastball, um, sometimes I like to, I like to get a little, little, I don't know, too aggressive. And I try to throw the ball as hard as I can just, just so I can just hit numbers and stuff like that and ended up not doing very good. So I need, I know I need to focus on just throwing strikes and there's a time and a place to throw hard, not just every single pitch. Mm-hmm. So playing for a great organization like the Texas 12, you know, learning mm-hmm. from coach Bennett, learning from, you know, their, your coaches there at the high school level as well. If you could pick maybe two to three people who have just been the most influential within your baseball career, who would those people be? And what would be the reasons for them being so influential? Uh, one, I'm definitely gonna have to go with my dad just because I've been around him my whole entire life. And he's been teaching me baseball and stuff like that. Uh, two, uh, let's see. Well, I'm my friend, uh, Jax Biggers. He's in, he's in the minors right now. Um, he's always, uh, cause his dad was my coach when I was younger. And so he's always been around there kind of teaching me like throwing like fielding wise and just, just being a ball player. So, I mean, I've really been grateful for that. Uh, as far as coaches wise, I'd probably just say I've kind of got two more. My high school coach one for giving me the opportunity and seeing me like, you know, just give me the opportunity to be on varsity. You know, that's, that's always special to me. And uh, definitely Coach Bennett, obviously, just for personal, like the reasons I said earlier. Yeah. So we talk about Coach Bennett here. I mean, he's been, I, I had like a two and a half hour conversation with him last week. It was mm-hmm. incredible. I wish, I mean, I yeah. had like 10 more questions to ask him, but I was like, man, I'm not going to take any more of this guy's night. You know, just incredible yeah. dude, incredible organization he's built. And we've talked about, you know, all the different, you know, commits on your 2025 class that you play with, whether, you know, Jack Paris, Ryan Bevington, all those different mm-hmm. guys that everybody knows being power five commits. But beyond those guys who aren't power five commits on your Texas 12 team, who do you think are some of those guys who have been maybe, you know, overlooked, you know, throughout their career so far? And some of these guys who are going to maybe, you know, just take off these next uh, one to two years of their travel baseball careers uh like i said earlier uh mason murphy he, he's a he's a he's a freak at baseball he's like six five you know two two thirty or whatever and he, he throws gas so he's definitely going to get looked at this summer and i would not be surprised if he commits this summer uh and we got two infielders gage boyd and carter Guillory. those kids are athletes in the middle infield like like i don't know, I, they play every position they can you know they're really really good and so you know they're good i also got i also got another kid uh blake the healer that, that he's a I've been, I've been growing up with that kid my whole entire life. And that kid, when I tell you he rakes, he rakes. He's definitely one of the best baseball players that I've seen from the first base perspective. So I definitely think I wouldn't be surprised if he got picked up by somebody. Okay. Also kind of my last baseball question here on the podcast. So you mm-hmm. mentioned one of your most influential people in your baseball career has been a minor league baseball player. I kind mm-hmm. of missed the name there. How, what was his name? Jax Biggers. Jax Biggers. Okay. So yeah. being, being around a guy like that, you know, his dad being your coach there for a little bit, maybe how, when you are around a guy like that, you know, has played minor league baseball, is playing pro yeah. ball right now. Um, just what are some of those questions you're asking him and how are you, you know, take maybe learning from his experiences uh, just when you're around him and kind of, you know, ask him different questions. So you learn a lot of stuff, you know, it's, it's hard to make it to the minors, you know, it's not, it's not an easy journey. So, you know, by seeing what all the stuff and all the workout, all the workouts and, everything that he's put into his life, his whole entire life in a baseball, you know what it's going to take to make it to that next level. 
And so just being involved in that, I've kind of like set an example for myself and I've just kind of built that into my brain that this is what we got to do. This is what we got to do. Like, and it's going to, it's going to be rough. Like it's not going to be easy, but you got to keep grinding and, you know, we're going to try to make it one day, you know? Okay. So, I feel like... so down to my last couple of questions here on the podcast, I like to, you know, dig into the more personal side of things mm -hmm. when we end it off, you know, move away from the baseball field because people want to know who you are as a person, not yeah. just a ball player. Um, so just going down when you're not playing baseball, what are some of those passions that, you know, maybe take your mind off the game, take your mind off of things. What are those passions you have beyond the game of baseball? Uh, you know, definitely hanging out with my friends. You know, that's definitely always, always something that I like to keep my mind off of. Uh, I've, I've found a really, I have a really, really group of friends. So I feel like I, you know, we always do some fun stuff. And so uh, that's always fun. And definitely when I come home late at night, like I definitely uh, play an Xbox. That's definitely my favorite thing to do with my friends. So, I mean, it's just kind of stuff that you cannot kind of get off of baseball and kind of just, you know, live. Yeah. So what are those favorite Xbox games you got? I'm still a big believer in Fortnite. I feel like that's still a, still a, one of the greatest games uh, to come. So me and my friends play that all the time. You know, it's always bring back some good memories that, mm -hmm. you know, some Madden and stuff like that. It will be the show, just really anything. Mm -hmm. So talking about hobbies, I mean, I, I look, you know, as you move your head, I mean, I see a deer there up on the wall. Are you yeah. all living down there in Texas or? Yeah. Yeah. I, so a lot of my friends, we all, we own a lot of, we, all, we own a lot of property. So we go out, then we go hunt sometimes, you know, we go duck hunting, we go quail hunting, we go dove hunting. So, I mean, it, it's pretty fun. So, I mean, I definitely enjoy hunting and definitely fishing with my friends. Yeah. So when you're owning property down there in Texas, I know here in the Midwest, you know, my grandpa, he, he like owns property, you know, it was corn, yeah. beans, you know, that's where it, what, what, what it was. But when you're down there in Texas, when you're owning land or when your family owns land or this and that, like, is it, you know, corn and beans or down there in Texas, what exactly does that look like uh, when you just have, you know, a bunch of land? Yeah, it's just like protein pellets that you put in the feeders and stuff like that, and just corn, like you know, you can feed the roads and stuff like that. That's pretty much. I mean, I I, I went deer hunting this earlier this season. I mean, it was, it was pretty fun, but I didn't really get anything. But you know, it's it's just fun being out there, just on property and stuff like that, just living life with your friends. So, mm -hmm. all right, so digging into you know when you're actually on your phone, um, mm -hmm. scrolling through your phone, scrolling through your contacts, who would be that coolest contact that you have in your phone right now? coolest contact probably probably definitely uh coach slosh at AM. I mean definitely i had his number i feel like that's someone i either him or some of the area code game scout scout guys just some just some pro scouts that i have on my phone i feel like that's just you know just something cool to have that a lot of people don't have that mm -hmm. of course so what digging in my i got three more questions here for you yeah. so digging into motivations so what is it that kind of you know just internally that helps you get out of bed every day helps you go win the day go get better what are some of those internal motivations that you know you that you have knowing that a lot of kids don't have what i have especially just like one the talent that like the worth ethic that i have i feel like a lot of kids don't have that. And I feel like I need to be grateful for everything that I have. So kind of getting out of bed every day, I'm like, all right, a lot of kids don't have this. They're not blessed with the opportunity to go to private school. Like I gotta, I, I gotta, I gotta get up. I gotta do my stuff and I gotta, I gotta get it done. And so stuff like that. And then kind of like you're giving it back to my parents. Like they've done so much for me as far as baseball wise, like all the bats and all the gloves and all like all the travel expenses and especially private school. Like I definitely feel like I owe it all to them. So I feel like I just, it's just a good motivation for me to get up out of bed and work. Yeah. So taking that question just a little bit further, everything keeps going right. You know, you keep using those motivations to, you know, mm -hmm. keep getting better, keep moving on to that next level. You know, when it comes to the spring at varsity, a couple of years now when you're going to A&M playing collegiate baseball and beyond that, potentially playing pro ball, what is the perfect picture of your life look like here? 20 years down the road, everything's going right. What does that life look like? Have a degree from A&M, graduate, uh, uh, hopefully a family man, hopefully playing some, some, 
uh, big league ball. I mean, that'd be all, that's obviously the dream. That's obviously the goal that I'm trying to get right now. And just having a family, being able to um, definitely be able to provide for them, uh, give them opportunities that I was given when I was a kid uh, and more um, and continually following God. So that's definitely something that I'm going to continue to do. All right, here we go. Down to my final question here on the JKR podcast. I'd like to end it off with with all you, you know, collegiate collegiate athletes, uh, Power mm-hmm. Five commits, whether whoever you are. I like to end it off with this question. So when you do head to A and M, you're going to get that opportunity to capitalize on your name, image, and likeness. You know, the mm-hmm. regulation NCAA passing about a year and a half ago or so. When you do get that opportunity, what would be that dream brand that you would love to endorse, collaborate, partner with, whatever happens to be? What would that dream brand be? So I've actually been thinking about this. Uh, definitely Lucchese or Tacova is definitely a boot brand, like one of those two. Uh, I love wearing boots all the time. Me and my, like, just it's just something that I, I love to wear. I enjoy wearing. Either that or or a car dealership. I feel like that always be really cool just to have an endorsement with the car. But or, or you know, it's just whoever's want to give me an opportunity, I'll be blessed to have. Of but, course. What car dealership would that be? Your go your go to. What would that be? Definitely a Ford, definitely a Ford, Ford truck. I feel like okay. uh, my, my dream car to have is a blacked out uh, F-250 with blacked out rims. So hopefully we can make that happen. Yeah. I guess Ford's more popular, more popular in Texas than Chevy is, I guess. Yeah. So, I yeah. mean, my, my dreams are, you know, are just pretty much the same thing, but you know, Chevy, but yeah, yeah. Uh, but no, man, uh, the, that's all the questions I have for you here on the JKR podcast. Really appreciate you coming on the show. You know, I'm really excited to be digging into the Texas 12, you know, here these next couple of weeks, digging into, you know, what your players are like, what the organization is like. Pumped to have you be part of one of those guys. Uh, but, no, just best of luck, you know, as you come going into this spring, going into the rest of your career, going to A&M, going to potentially play pro ball as well. Best of luck there. And like I said, man, I just really appreciate you coming on the J. Care podcast. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me.